When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of First Take. I know it's Thursday night, so that means Thursday night football. You're talking about the Ravens. You're talking about the Bengals. You know guys like Dan Orlovsky and Damian Woody, a.k.a. Big Poppy, the notorious B.I.G. That dude, along with Kimberly Martin. We got to say Kimberly. Can't just say Kim. Yeah, they'll be on the show, but I'm starting it off with supposed to start off. My man Wendy's in the house. Brian Wintour, basketball aficionado extraordinaire taking time out of his busy schedule to join Wall. I'm so touched. Hold on, Wendy. I'm getting emotional right now. You'd be up here this early for me. I really am. First takes in the house. Let's roll. Welcome to First Take. Molly Karam is out today again. So I'll be running the show. She's just fine. She'll be back in a few days. But right now, I got Brian Wintos right here with me. We've got Kimberly Martin, Dan Olofsky, and Damian Woody all joining the show pretty soon. But we begin in the association. Wendy, welcome to the show. The NBA has suspended Draymond Green for five games without pay for escalating an on-court altercation in Tuesday's game with the Minnesota Timberwolves. The league announced yesterday Green, one of three players ejected after a fight broke out two minutes into Tuesday's in-season tournament game. Woj weighed in on the league's decision. Listen up. The league called Draymond Green's uh, a headlock slash choke uh, on Rudy Gobert, a dangerous uh, maneuver on the court, but also the league again acknowledged Draymond Green's history uh, in these instances going back a number of years uh, as a part of the severity of this five-game suspension. I think the length of it surprises the Golden State Warriors. I think it surprised many around the league. Uh, But five games for Draymond Green, uh, that'll cost him about $770,000 in lost salary. This marks the fifth career suspension for Draymond Green in his first that spans multiple games. Green's first suspension came in the 2016 NBA Finals, kept him out of game five of that series, and we know how I felt about that. It was a stimulus package as far as I'm concerned, handed down by the NBA. Of course, the Golden State Warriors a championship, Wendy, but I'll get to you right now. Did the NBA get this suspension right? Did did they come down with this decision? Was it the right decision? Yeah, so this was heavier than I thought it would be, Stephen. I was in agreement with what you said yesterday. I thought it would be multiple games, but I didn't think it would be this many. And the key, as Woj said there and what you've said, is that the qualifier that the league added, which was past behavior. Now, I'm going to take you back to the spring. You remember back in April when they were in that uh, tight playoff series against the the Sacramento Kings, Draymond stepped or stomped or whatever you want on Demata Sabonis. And you remember that that... That decision was a bit controversial, the idea that they would take him out of a playoff game for that move. But the reason they did it, and these were Joe Dumar's words. This was not something that was perceived. This was something that they said. They said, the reason you're getting suspended for this, Draymond, is because of your past actions. And basically what that now has become clear is that is a red line 
starting in that situation, Draymond Green now walks into every league discipline scenario carrying baggage. And he can complain about that, and the Warriors can complain about it, and he can look at individual circumstances. But that now appears to be the new standard going forward. Now I'm going to take you back a couple of days. That was uh, last week when Draymond got, got ejected in a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers where the referees went to the monitor and reviewed a hit that they didn't even call and decided to retroactively give him a technical foul. And he was up in arms about it after the game, and Steve Kerr was up in arms about it after the game. And I'm just saying to you, this is now the new reality for Draymond Green. The league has had enough. The referees have had enough. The league office has had enough. And they are now going to adjudicate him differently. Stephen A., this is the heaviest suspension for an in-game act in more than a decade. The league doesn't hand out multi-game suspensions for on-floor activity. And quite frankly, Adam Silver's NBA has been less has been not as aggressive on in-game, uh, you know, fouls. They have, you know, my mind been a little bit soft. They've, they've let things go that would have been suspensions in past regimes or let things go with one game that would have been two. This is a totally against the grain. And this is the new world that Draymond Green better live in because he has now been ejected from 18 games in his career. He now has five suspensions. That doesn't even include when he got into it with Jordan Poole. The, the, the team didn't suspend him for that. So Draymond Green is now on notice. These last two suspensions are heavier because of his past behavior. Well, here's my thing. Let's understand and let's compartmentalize this just a little bit, Wendy. On one hand, I get exactly what you're saying, and I agree with it based on what you highlighted. And if I'm Draymond Green, well, you're Draymond Green and you're listening right now. The fact that this suspension comes from the league and specifically Joe Dumas should resonate profoundly. Yes, he was a member of the Bad Boy Pistons and all of that stuff. But remember, even with the Bad Boys and the reputation they had, Joe Dumas was always perceived as being class personified. People forget that. The Bad Boy Pistons, led by Isaiah Thomas, with the Bill Lambeers of the world, with the Rick Mahorns of the world, the Dennis Robbins of the world, the John Sallies and others. Joe Dumas was always considered class personified. That's number one. Number two, Draymond Green has a personal relationship with Joe Dumas. He knows him well. They've spoken often. He speaks very, very highly of Joe Dumas and vice versa. So the fact that that comes into play, that's point number two. Point number three was the warning that you pointed out that Joe Dumas handed down to Draymond Green last year when that incident happened with the bonus in the playoffs. He made sure that that was clear. I kind of felt iffy about that as well because his leg was being grabbed, the ankle was being grabbed, etc. So I understood, but I understood what Joe Dumas was saying. All of that taken into consideration, the warning was there. Here's where my issue comes in. When people want to point to 2016, LeBron James threw the man on the, on the floor, okay, and then stepped over him. What, what the hell did you expect him to do, okay? So he gets up, he pushes or, or shoves off LeBron James, they get in each other's face, and then they retroactively in, implemented a technical that ultimately led to him being suspended, for game five of that series. They had one game for that series. They were up 3-1 on Cleveland after beating Cleveland in Cleveland for that game four. They were going back to the Oracle for game five. I believe they would have closed Cleveland out, but it was a stimulus package. Everybody didn't want LeBron James going home too damn early. So you got that incident going on. I don't count Jordan Poole amongst this. That's an egregious act, no doubt about it. Draymond Green was wrong. You and I are covering the NBA for as long as we have. No, there's plenty of fights that have taken place 
in practice in the NBA. What you don't see is it getting caught on film because somebody on the team filmed it and dimed you out and put it out there for public consumption. You don't see that. But there's an team alive that hasn't had fights, and I'm talking fist fights in the NBA. It's just that that was caught on camera. And obviously, Draymond felt bad because he knocked Jordan Poole out. So we got that issue. But I'm saying that shouldn't count against this. You want to count Steven Adams? Fine. You want to count Sabonis? Fine. It seems to me like they're using everything to point the finger at Draymond Green as being out of control, when the one thing about him that has been out of control is his chirping at the officials. That has been out of control his entire career. The stuff that they're talking about now, that is not something that we've seen all the time from him or anything like that. It was excessive. He held his hand, his arm around Rudy Gobert's neck entirely too long. I thought it warranted a two to three game suspension, not five, but I'm not going to lose sleep over five. I was just in staunch opposition to Jay Williams saying it should have been 10 games. I think that would have been extreme since no punches were thrown. Well, he's not a victim, just to be clear. I mean, he has earned what he's gotten here. And there's a long tape of borderline plays. This wasn't borderline. But there's a long tape of borderline plays in his career. And, you know, I will be interested to hear what he says when he comes back. Because he has, he has sort of claimed that he has been unfairly treated in the past. Stephen A., the reason he got suspended in the 2016 finals, as you, as you know, and you just said, it wasn't for that hit. It was for the accumulation of the flagrant fouls. It was past behavior in that playoff that led to it. So he really doesn't have any room to complain when it's really all been his actions that have led to this. I got you. Brian Wintos, appreciate you being here, my man. We'll have you back on later on in the show. Thanks a lot for your time. Let's go over some of the rules. That's what I want you to know. Sitting to my right is the one and only Kimberly Martin. Sitting to my left is Dan Orlovsky and Big Poppy himself. Damian Woody has just strolled into the studio. Okay, a couple of things. A couple of things before we get it started. First of all, it's good to see y'all. It's very nice to see y'all. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's very nice to see everybody. But before anybody, anybody speaks, I want to state this. There are rules, since Molly is off today, okay? There are rules. They're called the Stephen A's rules when we are ho- when I'm hosting first take. Rule number one. I know. Speak Dan, is, Dan has a pen and pad to. right now. Speak when spoken to. Wait to speak. Okay? When you're called upon, Big D, you understand? Damian Woody, you speak when spoken to. Not you don't syllable before I say so. That's number one. Number two, no cussing, okay, because we saw Swagoo, a.k.a. Marcus Spears, use the word piss on several occasions yesterday. I said tick. We have to transition from that to tick, okay? So we're not going to do that. Address me as Stephen A or Mr. Stephen A, okay? That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do, okay? Let's get that out the way, all right? No bad-mouthing the producers. Doggy tried to do that yesterday. Very bad, very bad. And oh, by the way, okay, no rude reactions. You were very rude yesterday, very rude. We're not going to tolerate that. I reached out to Mama Martin, okay, and I'm just letting you know right now, if it happens again, Mama Martin's going to deal with you, okay? I just want to make sure we're clear. Welcome to the First Take edition. Reimagined First Take. The reimagined. Are we clear? Are we clear, Dan Olofsky? 
Yes, Mr. Stephen A. Oh, I know we are not oh doing this. God. I Very know good. we are not Very doing good. this. Let's oh, my good. gosh. Let's go on. Let's move on to the NFL, okay? It's a huge AFC North showdown tonight as the Bengals face the Baltimore Ravens. By the way, in Baltimore, the Ravens are looking to hold on to first place in the division. Meanwhile, the Bengals are seeking their first AFC North win. Who do you believe in more, Burrow or Lamar Jackson? We'll start with the ladies. Let's let the ladies go first. Address me as Kimberly A. Excuse me. I make the rules. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go with um, the Ravens on this one. I, I, I trust Lamar in this particular matchup only because I watched the Bengals. I covered the Bengals uh, on Sunday against the Texans. And for me, the loss of T. Higgins is a big deal. The loss of Sam Hubbard is a big deal. Um, I, I trust the Ravens' offense more, given that T. Higgins is out. I think, you know, heading into that game, I talked to Tyler Boyd about how having all three, a healthy Jamar Chase, a healthy T. Higgins, and him, how it, how people are able to, you double one, you got to deal with the other two. And I think not having T presents some issues for them offensively. Dan Olofsky. I'm taking Joe Burrow tonight. Number one, when these two teams met week two, Joe Burrow played on one leg and played well. He's like 27 to 40 for 250-something, two touchdowns. And this is a must-win game in many ways for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I called Monday Night Football week three, I think, against them and the Rams. And I just remember they viewed it as a must-win. It was a, how many different ways can we get Jamar Chase to football? And I think that that's going to be Joe Burrow's mindset. If, we, if we're just honest about the performance last week when it comes to them and the Texans, C.J. Stroud was absolutely off the charts. Joe threw two unbelievably uncharacteristic interceptions. One, two, maybe one on the run, worst, worst decision-wise I've ever seen in his NFL career. We're not going to get that Joe again. We, we will not get everything that I've ever seen since that LSU year about that guy is the moment, a silent assassin, like he rises. And I just think because of the magnitude of the moment, because how well he played. Now, usually Baltimore's got him. Like you, Baltimore is often his kryptonite. I think specifically Stephen A., Mr. Stephen A., excuse me, oh, Kimberly A., and Either do. Big Either do. Yes. Um, <laughs> tonight comes down to first down for Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like if he's good on first down and that offense is good on first down, I think they'll be okay. No Marlon Humphrey likely. For Baltimore's defense, that is a huge deal. If they're bad on first down and they get into third down world against this simulated pressure unit in Baltimore, good night. It'll be a long night. So I'm taking Joe Burrow because of how big this game is and how poorly that last week's game ended. <clears throat> the desperation, because you know, you've heard me say on Get Up This Morning that I feel like this was a must-win game. I want to take Joe Burrow because of that, because I yeah. think it's a desperation game. Right. But I'm picking the Baltimore Ravens in this game because Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens have been like the Bengals killer. They really have. Sure. They they've really Lamar had three, and one, three and one against Burrow. Yes. He's 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 had he's had Joe Burrow's number. And I think Kimberly talked about some of the injuries that the Cincinnati Bengals have. The Sam Hubbard one is, is a big one. I know we they they played without T. Higgins last week, I thought Joe Burrow did a, did a pretty good job outside of the interception, but the, the Sam Hubbard one on the defensive side of the ball is a huge one because we know Trey Henderson is already dealing with it with an injury sure. as well. So, listen, Baltimore Baltimore has its flaws and issues as well. We know in, in, in the fourth quarter how Baltimore is prone to giveaway games. 
They get up on people, and for some reason, I don't know what it is, with the, or whether it's the – you talked about on Get Up this morning, the, the defense, the, explo plays. the explosive pass plays in the fourth quarter, they give it up. But I think the injuries for the Cincinnati Bengals, those are some big-time guys that they're missing right. on, on, going into this game. So I'm giving no, Lamar no, Jackson and Baltimore the edge. No Ronnie Stanley tonight, though. That is true. You know, yeah. That is true. And Marlon, as you were saying, doubt yeah, for the Baltimore. game as well. So as much as some of those injuries matter, like what what injury is going to impact the quarterback play more, I guess? Is do we think it's like T with Joe Burrow or Ronnie Stanley with Lamar Jackson? I, I think I think Joe Burrow is a elite enough quarterback that he can mask the T thing for another week or two maximum. Obviously to go on that run matters. Mm -hmm. But not having your left tackle, Ronnie Stanley's a huge part I, I, of this conversation. I feel you on that. Here's where, I, here's where I'm at with it, y'all. On one hand, I get where you're coming from, and it is Joe Burrow. In the Super Bowl two years ago, AFC Championship game last year, we know what he brings to the table. The flip side to it is that Lamar Jackson, 14-3, and three, lifetime following a loss, winning his last six games after losing a loss. That's number one. I can't ignore that, right? I can't ignore that. Number two. The Ravens have had the lead and have held the lead in the final two minutes of mm -hmm. regulation in all ten games this year. All ten games. They've blown three of them. They won the other right. seven. But and then you got 28 minutes, 46 seconds is the amount of time they have trailed this season. Man. It's the fewest after ten games since Shannon Sharp's Denver Broncos team. I believe it was 1998. This is what I'm talking about when you look at the Baltimore Ravens. And so I'm looking at it collectively, and I'm saying, yeah, if you're talking about Lamar versus Joe Burrow straight up, I get where you're coming from. But just like you had T. Higgins out last time, if you got Lamar, Jay's got left tackle out now, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint that the dual threat that he is, Joe Burrow, as great as he is, still mm -hmm. isn't 100%. And his teammates aren't either. And I look at it from that perspective and the fact that this game is in Baltimore, I'm just inclined to believe on Thursday so, Night Football is, is Lamar. Real quick, can you give me the, the stat? How long have they trailed this year? 28 minutes, 46 seconds. And that's the least through the 10 games? The fewest by any team through 10 games since Shannon Sharp's 1998 Broncos team who went on to win the Super Bowl. So here's the thing watching uh, the Bengals and, and the Texans. Joe Burrow, after the game, that game, talked about how the Texans' defense forced him to have to use his legs more. He was like, I got to switch up because of how they're playing me. I need to be able to try to move out the pocket, do some things, and they were ready for him. And when I look at the Baltimore defense, this is a defense starting the season, talking to Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, they're like, we are the best defense in this division in football. Okay, this is a moment for you guys to show up, to force Joe Burrow to be uncomfortable in the pocket, not leave it on Lamar and this offense to keep having to come back and hold leads. Like, the, it, it really falls on the defense because the, la the three losses – it's been probably within the last minute and a half of game that they've won those Number games. one, T. Higgins ain't playing tonight, so that's going to be a big problem for Baltimore. Number two, I'm sorry for Cincinnati. Number two, what's Cincinnati's problem defensively? It's covering tight ends. You got Mark Andrews tonight leading the league at tight ends by with six touchdowns. Yeah. So if you're Lamar Jackson, you're certainly going to target him. You know, you're going to be compromised offensively. Defensively, you're going to be compromised because of your ability or inability to cover tight ends. All of those things, I think, are going to play a role as well. I, I think you, one thing you brought up, I think, is a great point about Cincinnati. Cincinnati has to get going quick. Oh, right? yeah. They have to get going quick. Yeah. Not only because Baltimore just had, they just, Baltimore jumps out of the gate fast, but I'm just talking about just down well, to down. Yeah. Down to down. If they fall behind as far as okay. in the chains, right. behind as right. far as Baltimore's concerned, 
Let me, throw this out. Let me throw this out to y'all. Bengals lose tonight. Season over? No. I'm not there. Mm-mm. I am. I think it's over. Mm-mm. If they, if they, if if they, they lose, lose tonight, I think they're done. They are, the Bengals are one and four in the AFC right now. One and four in the AFC. One and four in the AFC. They've already lost two games within the division. They lose to Baltimore in the, in the crowded AFC right now. We're t- listen, we're talking about Houston. Yes. Indy, yeah. Even I know Indy's five and five right now. Yeah. Buffalo, okay. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo five and five. Pittsburgh, like, there's a lot of teams, and you you can't afford to keep losing the They're gonna lose out because of the losses within the conference. Within the conference. They're gonna lose within out the somebody. conference. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So I don't think tonight is a. Mu- it feels like a must win. It does the gravity of it. I think the winner of tonight wins the division. All right. Mm-hmm. It, they they got, Cincinnati's got five wins. They got to get to 10, right? At least 10. They're, they're playing Pittsburgh next week. Mm-hmm. Then they have the Jags, Indy, Minnesota. I think they win those three games. Jags, Indy, Minnesota. All three. I think they win all three of those, okay. yes. So then we're talking about Pittsburgh twice they have left. Mm-hmm. Tonight, Kansas City. You know they're going to lose one of them to Pittsburgh. One. Okay, so one of them to Pittsburgh. That means out of one left for Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Cleveland, and tonight, they got to get two. So out of, they got to be out of the four games between Pittsburgh Baltimore, Cleveland, and Kansas City. They got to go. You know 500. who plays Joe Burrow pretty well? Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, like that was, they, Kevin Stefanski for whatever reason, Kevin Stefanski versus Zach Taylor. It's a Kevin Stefanski advantage. I think Stefanski. I, I just don't think because Wood. If we're gonna say one team from the AFC East, we feel great about right now, Miami, right? Buffalo. We got to see what happens. Right. Rest. AFC South is going to get one team. I do not. If you're telling me I get Indy or Cincy, give me Cincy. Mm-hmm. You know, like Houston, I, I could be in that conversation, and they obviously hold the tiebreaker, but I want to see how, how consistent that could be. And then the AFC West, we think Kansas City, and that's it. I'm just saying that they're, they're running out of runway here. Last week, you lose a game at home against the Houston Texans, who, by the way, are in the AFC. Sure. That you, you're playing a numbers game moving forward right now. Go ahead, Kimberly. Running out of runway doesn't mean the season's over. Though. Right. I, That's where I'm at. Like, it's a little – because a week ago, everybody was saying, oh, the Bengals. They're mm-hmm. clearly going to win this division. Joe well, Burrow's back. A week later, they lose to the Houston Texans. Now it's like, ugh. That's I, 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 listen, listen, I think it's a must win for the Bengals. The bottom line mm-hmm. is this. You can't lose with so many games within your conference. There's plenty of times, and we've seen this over the course of history. We've seen plenty of times where you roll up, you get on a winning streak, particularly as the season wanes, and all of a sudden you end up on top with a winning record. But your record is tied with somebody else you lost mm-hmm. to in head-to-head sure. competition. So if you have that many losses within the conference, I find it very, very hard to believe that somehow, some way, that's not going to come back to bite you. You're going to end up tied with somebody, and they're going to get the edge. That's the last point, Dan Olavsky. I have the last <laughs> word on this. You have spoken enough, okay? We're going to move on. Remember that, all right? Kimberly Martin, Damian Woody, Kimberly Dan Martin. Olavsky, and your boy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. 
And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Brought to you by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day, and you can use those miles on any travel purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. Your next trip is closer than you think with the Venture Card from Capital One. Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, I'm Molly Karam, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Have you ridden an electric bike yet? Well, you need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to more exploring time outside on their bikes. So they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range for up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Welcome back to First Take. We're coming to you live from above the Heineken River deck. At Pier 17. <laughs> the five and five bills are coming off a tough loss Monday night to the Broncos at home that resulted in Buffalo parting ways with offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, a decision that Josh Allen says he took personally when he addressed the media yesterday. Allen has thrown a league high 11 interceptions this season, including one in each of the last six games, which is the longest streak by a Bills quarterback since 2011. Dan, you said this yesterday on NFL Live. Where do you think his confidence is right now? I think it's low. I, I think it's low, Marcus, and I don't think it, the confidence being low is, like, to him only. Mm-hmm. I think it's low with the whole offensive unit. It felt low mm-hmm. when it came to the person calling the plays, and it just it, – it, it's like everyone's got to get to that – but it comes from results. We know that. Like, yeah. they, right. they got to go have successful results like they Feel did it. the first four or five weeks mm-hmm. to build yeah. that confidence back. Dan Olofsky. <laughs> this man, Josh Allen, has 11 interceptions this year. Mm-hmm. He's had 94 interceptions in his last 87 games. That was going into, I'm sorry, 97 interceptions. 97 turnovers, I apologize. 94 turnovers in his previous 87, in his last 87 games following his rookie year going into the other night. How could you possibly sit up there and say that this man doesn't have a turnover problem? I don't think he has an interception problem this season. He said it again. I don't. All right, so number one, let's make a rule. (laughs) Let's make a rule. Hold on, hold on. No one makes rules here but me. Can I propose a rule to you? You can propose. Propose a rule to you. Propose. 
If people are going to say that Josh Allen leads the NFL in interceptions, we also have to put it into the context that he leads the NFL in touchdowns as well. Okay, can we make that rule that he's he's top five in QBR? Can okay. we make the rule that he's, he okay. leads the NFL okay. in touchdowns? I, I, I'll concur with that. Okay, so we'll, we'll make that rule. Okay. Um, if we look at Josh, and this is what I said, Stephen A. Since week one, obviously the Jets game in week one was what it was. I don't think anyone was more critical of Josh Allen week one than I was. Since week one, I count three interceptions that I sit there and go, dumb decisions. Okay, this one, it's third and 20. He's launching that ball down the field to the 15-yard line one-on-one to Gabe Davis. This is third and 19. He's launching an out-of-pocket ball down to the seven-yard line to Stephon Diggs. I don't, this isn't a bad decision. It's an aggressive throw that he misses by two inches, but that's not he a bad. He missed it. But that's not a bad decision. This ball gets. That's a bad throw. Everyone is going to miss a throw by two but, inches but, occasionally. Uh, that's what this it comes with. Hit, this ball is dropped. Okay, so the, the two third and 20 bombs down the field, those aren't bad decisions. Those are essentially punts, and those are risk versus reward things. Two that are tipped, one at the line of scrimmage and one by Gabe Davis. What about and the one? What about the one the other night against Denver where he for, he forced it into basically double okay, coverage? Okay, so I said three, right? Okay, okay. okay the one yeah. right before the half against Denver, bad decision, uh, and, and um, you, you cannot you cannot like look over that. The one right before the half against Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and then the one to start the game against New England. Yep. Those are first of all, let's say why quarterbacks throw picks. Okay, why do quarterbacks throw picks? One, they miss throws. Like, mechanically, they're flawed. That's not the case. We saw an inch, a, a miss by two inches. Other than that, it's a completion. Just add the no. sky is blue to that. Just, <laughs> just add the sky. I mean, why do they throw interceptions? Why, why do they throw interceptions? Because they miss throws, right? Really? That's what you're going to say? Can I keep going? Keep going. Okay, number two, that they get Stand fooled. Very like, they get confused. Very serious. Very serious. Like, they, they, they don't see a coverage. That, that, that's not the case. Right. Or three, mm-hmm. they're forcing the football. That has happened right. three times with Josh. Okay. Other than that, right. I'm not sitting here going, oh, my gosh, Josh Allen has a decision-making problem. You should, that's be, not sitting you should be sitting there. Not reality. Hold on a second. Not reality. Before we move on, let reality. me say this to you. You ever look at me like that seriously? Ooh, child. I will Mm-mm. cancel your reservation Ooh. at Rails. You watch your mouth. You know you like to be say, food, you bro. Better, you better smile. You better smile. <laughs> you better I don't smile. want to go lose ahead, our Kim. reservation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cancel your reservation. Go ahead, Kimberly. Dan, I love you, but he has a decision-making problem. Because here's – yeah, stop. Because here's the thing. It's not pause, just this – se- pause. Pause. It's not just this season, Daniel. Le- since he came in the league – Josh Allen has had a turnover problem. Is that right? Last year, all we did was talk about how Josh Allen was turning over the football in critical moments. You know why? Because I covered a lot of those games, and Josh Allen would sit at the podium talking about, yeah, I got to be better. Like, this falls on me. And every single year, his teammates were like, we ride with JA-17. Like, we don't care because the highs are super high. We'll deal with the lows. So for you, after an offseason in which we talked about Dak Prescott and the interceptions and how that became a whole storyline, you cannot sit here in November do telling that. us, no, telling us that Josh Allen doesn't have a turnover problem. He does, but it gets excused because he is a stallion. He's a wild stallion out there. He can make any throw, and that's what the Bills have to live with. You ride the highs because he can win you a Super Bowl. But why is Ken Dorsey not the quarterback, of the, not the OC of this team anymore? Because it was their offense was schematically broken. Okay, 
But would it, he have been let go if they had won the game and let's said missed? No, the he would be. He'd he would be have there. a job probably today. not. But he's also not getting let go strictly off one individual. Performance. Well, you're talking about eighth. You know, you know, offense and ranking around eighth. Or whatever. I forgot the categories. Eighth. They're and top ninth, three in right? yards per play. Okay, okay but, but since 2018, Josh last Allen year, last year, it, three three plus turnovers or more in per game since 2018. Mm-hmm. It's like Josh right. Allen, Jameis Baker, well, and Sam Darnold. Now, granted, uh, Josh has played more games, uh, including the playoffs. But I'm not but, talking but still, about the past. Uh, I'm, I'm the, I'm my my my, my, my viewpoint is this year. My viewpoint is this year. My viewpoint is this year. That's what, what my words no. were. Well, you, you can chime in, but I need you to sit up straight because oh. leave the oh, lean, lead the lean to me. Lead the lean to me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you try to you, <laughs> you try to imitate the lead. You try to imitate the lead. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think. Listen. Josh Allen does have a turnover problem, but I will say this: we we a lot of people tend to gloss over because people will say that. What makes Josh Allen the, the type of player that he is? You can't, if you reel him in, that he's not he's Josh good. Allen. He's not that guy. He's not Josh Allen. But he does have a turnover problem. And on the on, on another point here is, in the past, a lot of times his defense was. Hey, we were able to gloss over because hey, they won. The defense was just phenomenal. With the injuries being the injuries that the Buffalo Bills have suffered on 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 the defense side of the football. It's left the margin of error for the Buffalo Bills a lot tighter. Uh, would you Would you agree with that? Well, the defense. Would you agree? Would the you defense agree with is that? down four starters. Yes, I know, they're, but they're, I'm saying, right. That, that, but I don't believe that, that we glossed oh. over the turnovers because the defense was so. Elite. No, we glossed over because a lot of people say, "Well, you know what? Josh Allen is just like you talked about. Josh Allen is this is this wild stallion, and if we try to reel him in, then he's not Josh well, of, Allen of more. Course. So everyone is willing to just of course just let to... him slide over. But at the end of the it's day, not, the quarterback's it's... number one job is to take care of the football. No, it's not. Come on, it dude. is. All right, is Kenny Pickett the best quarterback in football because no. he hasn't given away in five weeks? Okay, no. case closed on that. No, it's no, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, if it's you, not. If we're gonna sit here and say the number one, the number one job for the quarterback is to score points. That's the number one job. No, he said to protect the football. No, he said to, to not give it points. away. No, no. The point is, is that you yourself, Dan Olavsky, has been on the air on many, many occasions, and you With talk about not iPad. beating yourself. Yep. You talk about that protecting the football, not giving I, the ball away, not giving opportunities to the opposition, not turning the ball over. I'm saying you we said that. Say, you we said we, that. You we said that. We never say protect the football. We value it. Hold on. 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 Did we not go through a whole offseason? Don't do that. Dissecting Dak Prescott no. and all the turnovers. Yes. And, the turnovers I, I, and what's wrong with and, and Dak, right. Dak and his turnovers and what's you, wrong? No, because I've had we not so go many all sensitive that. Cowboys fans in my mention saying that. One, I literally talked about Dak Prescott's interceptions last year. I did a breakdown of them. Said, well, they were on third downs in overly aggressive situations. And oftentimes with the choice routes that he saw one thing. And the receiver saw another. So stop the whole, oh, my gosh, you didn't do that with Dak Prescott. It's the opposite. I did do that with Dak Prescott. My point is this. We can't sit here and say the quarterback has interception issues. I said this about Stafford in the Super Bowl year, and you guys all thought it was stupid. When I was like, guys, we say interceptions or we said turnovers? No, I said four or five interceptions. We didn't say interceptions. We said turnovers. 
Then another year, fumbles, lost. I mean, he had three interceptions. Three, he had three touchdowns, three interceptions, <clears throat> one lost fumble in the postseason last year in the two games, in the two postseason games he played. That's why they lost to Cincinnati 20 to 10. Are, we, are we talking last year or this year? I'm just saying. I just the want point to know. Is, you want to live this year? You want to live in the past? It's, it's, you, it's, it's you, I want to live here. That's why I, okay. I keep talking about. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we can't – you mean to tell me that we are going to – Praise Joe Burrow. I've heard Joe Burrow say this. Hey, if it's third and goal from like the seven-yard line, yeah. I'm going to take a sack because it gives me a greater chance to hold on to the ball, create something. But everyone says, oh, my gosh, you can't take that sack. So it's third and 20. No one's open. And you have a – he threw one of those interceptions to Gabe and one of those interceptions to Steph. That is a risk versus reward play that me sits there and goes, I totally think it's worth it. You that. are literally doing all this talking – when the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen every week talk about how Josh Allen has to protect the ball better. Josh has to be smarter with the ball. And you are doing all this talking, and the Bills are agreeing that way, Josh Allen has a turnover problem. I'd like to problem. take it a step further because let's go with the numbers, okay? You, the Buffalo Bills, last five games, you committed 11 turnovers. You've only forced two. You've only got one win this season against a team currently that has a winning record, which is the Miami Dolphins, okay? You're five and five. You average four and a half losses per season. You already got five losses on the season. 14 of 16 teams in the AFC are four and five or better. So it's a wide open race, okay? And oh, by the way, the entire AFC East at this particular moment in time is winless in November, combined 0 for 7, 0 and 7 record. I'm just wondering, you take all of those things into consideration, particularly when you look at the turnovers on the part of the Buffalo Bills. What level of culpability do you give Josh Allen in all of that? I think Josh Allen has to slow down more and breathe more so than, oh, my gosh, protect the football. I stated. What the hell are you almost saying? <laughs> I stated that. I stated the three interceptions that I said were inexcusable. They have happened, I think, in the last three or four of their games. But it's I don't watch this going, oh, my gosh, he's being so bad with his decision-making or he's being incredibly reckless with the football. I don't see that. I don't see that. Way, I think he needs on, to slow correct, down a little bit. Correction on my part about the two playoff games with Josh Allen last year, three fumbles, three interceptions, not three touchdowns. Three interceptions, three fumbles. I think he needs to slow down the more. The Bills than have used the word reckless. So we're going we're gonna to take it. I, I, Are we going to listen to the team? What you going to you get ready to say? We're going to take the team into consideration. Are we going to take their word, the team, the players themselves? You guys sit up here all the time and be like, the team, I am telling you, uh, that I is am, my opinion off of what I am watching. I am telling you, as somebody who has sat down with Josh sure. Allen, that he has used the word reckless. I cannot be this reckless season? with the foot. Okay. So what's the difference this year? I'm asking a so, question. So what's the difference this year? I mean, Josh Allen turns over, he's turned over the ball this year like he's done in the past. Right. What's, I'm not saying what's, he has what's no the turnovers. What's, what's the difference this year as opposed to the season prior? I think Josh situationally last year was mm -hmm. way more overly aggressive with the football right. than he was this year, excluding week one. Again, week one. I was wildly critical of Josh, and that was like that was a real thing. Since week one, I see a very different player okay. than week one or last year. It's important to point this out. No one's believing you right now. No one. <laughs> Time to move on. Breaking news. Sources tell ESPN that one of Oakland's last remaining pro sports teams is moving on. Though they don't know exactly where they will play for the next few years. In the year 2028, the A's will be in Las Vegas, Nevada, as the move was unanimously approved in a vote by owners this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, we can sit up there and we can feel sorry for the folks in Oakland because I certainly do. That's a phenomenal, fantastic fan base. I miss seeing the Golden State Warriors at, you know, the Oracle. 
but here's the reality of the situation. The Golden State Warriors moved out of the city of Oakland. The Oakland Raiders moved out of the city of Oakland. And now the A's follow. Now, I could bring up the fact that there's 162 games in a season, and the Oakland A's have only won 110 games over the last two seasons. But it ain't even about that. It's about damn possums being found in the walls of the Coliseum. It's about how dilapidated and rundown those facilities appear to be. And somehow, someway, the local government in the city of Oakland didn't get their act together in time to appease the team in order to cajole them into staying. And you can sit up there and say that you did, but the bottom line is when the football, the basketball, and now the baseball team have run out of town on you, that's all that needs to be said. We know that it's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong in the city of Oakland for three professional sports teams to skip town on you within the last five years. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. It's just that simple. So my condolences to the city of Oakland. I wish y'all nothing but the best, but I understand why the move happened. Let's move on back to the association. In the battle of the top two teams in the East, the shorthanded Boston Celtics beat the 76ers in Philadelphia last night. Jason Tatum and Derek White led the way for Boston as they were out starters Chris Stapozingas and Jalen Brown. Joel Embiid had this to say after the game about Philly's tough stretch. We, uh, you know, we're professional athletes. Um, that's the schedule. You just got to do it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, um, you know, tough, especially playing uh, Indiana, you know, twice and then on the back-to-back um, playing, you know, the best team in the league, um, you know, stuff. But, you know, no excuses. Uh, we still, you know, have to be better. Um, and, you know, I have to be better. Brian Windows back with yours truly. What statement did the Celtics make taking down Philadelphia without Jalen Brown and Porzingis, Wendy? Hey, Molly Karam here, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine, especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups, sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or you just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up, power your buys, your tries the right way, or de-stress with a little cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Hey, Molly Karam here, and thanks so much for listening to the First Take Podcast. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code TAKE. That's code TAKE. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. 
Yeah, well, they've got the best top six in the league. And I mean, I'm including the Denver Nuggets in that. I think the Nuggets have a beautiful way of playing together and they're really tight knit and know what to do. Well, you look at the top six that they can withstand on the road, even with Philly playing the second night of a back-to-back. This was a really important win for the Celtics. They lost in Philly last week, so they play them again. They obviously took this game very seriously. Jason Tatum, by the way, is off to a tremendous start to this season. I think his he's not really getting as much attention as maybe he should. He's having the best shooting stretch to start the season in his career. And so you look at that, you look at the way Drew Holiday has played for them defensively, and then Derek White, who's sort of low-key and be an excellent clutch player, was excellently clutch in this game. Um, but my takeaway from this game really revolves around the 76ers. I know okay. the Celtics are really good and that their health is important, but that's what's going to be determined later. To me, what happened in this game is when the Sixers took Tyrese Maxey off the floor, they basically imploded. And now that's not going to happen every night. They're not playing the Celtics every night. But in the first quarter of this game, Tyrese Maxey was in the game. He came off the floor. It was about a three-point game. When the quarter was over, it was a 15-point game in the favor of the Celtics. Yep. Happened again in the third quarter. Mac, it's, a, it's a basically a tie game at half. It's a three- or four-point game when Maxey takes his third-quarter rest. Um, by the time the end of the quarter, it's an eight-point game. Tyrese Maxey was plus nine in this game. Joel Embiid was minus 25. And that's not a comment on Joel Embiid. He's the MVP. But what's, what we have to remember about the 76ers is as much as they've got going for them, they are still a playmaking uh, ball handler short. And that was why when they did that trade for James Harden, they acquired those draft picks and they acquired those expiring contracts. And it was a reminder that as good as the Sixers have been, they still are going to have to make a move this season to right. beat the 76ers and probably the Bucks in a best-of-seven series, well, assuming everybody you, is healthy. You mean beat now, the Celtics? You, now, you may say, Stephen, who is that ball handler? Who is that guy? Okay. I don't know yet. I know that it's probably not Zach Levine, because I know that's what everybody's talking about. No, no, no. That, that, that wouldn't work. Not that's not the ball handler. No. He's a scorer. He's they got to do something, Stephen A. Well, I will say this. Here's what I do like, and I would love to see Zach Levine in L.A. with the Lakers personally. That's just my personal opinion. But if he were to go to Philadelphia, I would say this. I think he has a chance of working better than James Harden did because it doesn't compromise Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey obviously is your second scoring option. He's averaging over 28 a game. We know how electrifying that he has been, but it doesn't negate the fact that a guy like Zach Levine is somebody that could be incredibly useful to you because you don't have to take on the scoring load that Tyrese Maxey is obligated to take on now. So, again, it's not ideal, and I get what you're saying about a ball handler, but you're talking about really somebody taking the scoring pressure off of Tyrese Maxey without stripping him of the point guard obligations in doing so, Wendy. That's what I'm talking about, which is why I think Zach Levine for what could work. But let me get back to Boston for a second. At Boston is the favorite coming out of the East Conference when Dame explodes and him and Giannis are on the same page. Obviously, that's a formidable duo that we can't ignore, and they've got championship expectations. But when I look at the Boston Celtics, Jason Tatum is a superstar. Can we just say that? He's a superstar. He's averaging 28 a game, shoots 51% from the field, nearly 40% from three-point range. The brother is something special, and the $300 million-plus contract that Jalen Brown got Make no mistake about it. That means Jason Tatum is going to get about $350 million. That's what that means. Having said all of that, I love the fact that you've got size on your front line when a Porzingis and a Orford is, in the, is on the court together. You've got White with a Brown and Jason Tatum. We keep forgetting that Jalen Brown's about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Jason Tatum is a legit 6'9". And so when I look at them and the size that they have, and I think about Denver and how formidable Denver looks, 
People keep talking about the greatness of Jokic, which cannot be denied. There's no question about that. And we know what Jamal Murray can do when he's healthy and on a basketball court. But we see all the other components that they have. They've got size on a lot of teams they're going up against. That's not necessarily the reality if they ended up going against a team like Boston or Milwaukee. Philadelphia not only needs another scorer. You know what else they need, Wendy? They need a little bit more size when Embiid is not in the lineup. They need both. And so to me, that's what Boston and Milwaukee has. It's what Philly does not have. Yeah, and that's a really good point because who is the team that has given Denver more trouble than almost anybody the last couple of years? It's actually Minnesota. Those Nuggets players were talking about how their series with Minnesota last year was their toughest series because Minnesota's got all that size. Minnesota's got Gobert, and they've got they've got Carl Towns, and they've got Jaden McDaniels. They they took two games off him in the playoffs. They beat him already once this year. The Celtics do have that size, and I agree. One of the big things that you're going to need to beat Denver in a series is to match up with them man-to-man like that. That is a factor. Brian Wintos right here. Appreciate you as always, my man. We'll be back with more in a little bit. 